So, any questions? Queen prayers by Queen Corinthians. I mean, we were talking something about being able to experience Krishna consciousness and then being able to recognize it maybe at a later date. And uh, uh, this is a prayer by Queen Kunti. My Lord, you are easily approached by but only those who are materially exhausted. One who is in the path of material progress, trying to improve himself with respect to the parentage, great opulence, high education. Bodily beauty cannot approach you with sincere feeling. My obeisances are unto you who are the property of the materially impoverished. You have nothing to do with the actions and reactions of the material mode. You are self-satisfied. Therefore, you are the most gentle and master of the monist. But in terms of um, just uh, being materially exhausted and being somehow qualified to understand what Krishna consciousness is, like, you, know, you come, a person comes for so many reasons, and they may or may not really experience Krishna consciousness so to the extent that they can recognize it in another form. Akinchina. Mm. Akinchina gocharam, she says, yeah, materially exhausted. Well, we were talking about that to some extent. This is what creates some distance between ourselves and the object of our worship, which ultimately we want to dissolve. Distance between ourselves and the object of worship and not see like that at all. But to become such that, not that we become one with Krishna, but that Krishna becomes one of us. That is the idea. One of us. Brajbasi. So the dynamic idea of dissolving the difference between the object of worship and the worshiper, to become one with the love itself, that, that is one that corresponds with the person of Sri Krishna. So that's, that's a high ideal. And it's, yeah, it's required that one has to become disillusioned with the prospect of material life. But not everybody comes to Gaudiya Vaishnavism entirely disillusioned with material life. In fact, some people come with a view to enhance their material life. That happens. <laughs> and some people come not overtly with the interest of enhancing their material life, but out of distress, which when they get relief from, then their interest in material life surfaces and then they seek to uh, employ bhakti in the service of those desires. This is the lower end from which people come to bhakti. Higher end means, uh, well, arto jignasura arto ti jnani cha bharatashava. Higher end is out of the inquiry, like the rishis in Bhagavat, Naimisharanya, or out of knowledge, like Sukadeva, Kumaras and so forth. Or in in uh, Jaiva Dharma, you have Brajanath and Bijai Kumar. They're coming out of inquisitiveness and out of jnana. And you see how quickly they make progress. And so, depends on the condition of uh, of heart. And then, and from the lower end, as, as I say, when we come in from that side, it's also possible that that we may then, well, it happens to people. Yeah. They employ bhakti for their own 
ends rather than as a, a bhakti for its own sake. So all kind of people get attracted. Bhakti goes all so many places. She's independent. So it's true. You can be shoulder to shoulder with somebody and then wake up one morning and realize that in a mission and realize they're just not on the same page and it's quite a, quite surprising sometimes. And the level of everyone's experience is, is not the same. It all comes out over time. So what we need to do is we need to find association that is uh, conducive and favorable and supportive of our faith and our our experience. And it can be, you know, people are scattered about different organizations and whatnot these days. It can, it can cross boundaries. There are sincere people everywhere who should make a group like that. Like gopis, they all went to meet Krishna hearing his flute, but they didn't wait to find out if anyone else was going. They found their group by following their ideal. They heard the Krishna's flute, and so they went. They didn't wait to see if the girl next door was going to come. But when they got there, they found that she came too. And, and so that's the group. So follow your ideal and let association form around that. But anyway, yeah, it happens. And, uh, you're surprised to find well, what is their understanding, this fellow or that lady of Krishna consciousness and yours. It's, it's very, very different sometimes, and they've been there, you know, as long as you have or, or, or longer. So, you have to move on progressively. Sridhar Maharaj used to say sometimes, God save me from my friends. No, we, we may have to voice that. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. Progress in Krishna consciousness is always a challenge, and it's always... Um, it appears that if I move in this direction, it will be in my interest. At least my heart tells me that. But the practical facts don't measure up in that way. <laughs> you understand? I can feel in my heart that seems like I should do that, right? But then practically, so many other reasons that look like that's not going to work, that will that'll be hard, that will be difficult, and so on and so forth. You have to ignore that side. You have to follow your your heart, and um, that's where your wealth really lies. So, and you can't wait for everybody to agree with you on that. And everybody has that experience. By you, for the most part, joining a mission, at least uh, converts and so forth. You know, coming, uh, they they have that experience. That friends are and family may not be in, involved or are not involved and. And so suddenly, you know, you have a different ideal than them, and it makes so much sense to you, but they can't hear it. You have to separate yourself. You don't wait for them. So within Krishna consciousness, within the culture, within the society of devotees, the Sangha also, that's the case. All the flowers don't bloom at the same time. You can't wait for everybody else to bloom, for, for you to bloom. And blooming will always be a little, it's kind of a little embarrassing. I'm blooming now, and you, know, you, you have to allow that to happen. Have to go forward, and then there are so so many times in your progress. This is going to come another level of commitment, and there's always going to be some uncertainty. It's going to, it's going to be gray. You have to become acquainted with the idea that 
spiritual life is really gray, it's not black and white, it's disconcerting. You want surety and security, and firm ground to stand on. Material ground is, is constantly moving, it's, it's, a, it's a continuous earthquake, so you can never get your feet quite on the ground. So we gravitate towards spiritual ideo ideology to be, to be grounded, but we find that, that the ground is moving there also in a different way. Just like love. The nature of love in an ordinary example in material life, generally people are, people are moving and looking for love, looking for a relationship, so they can't rest until they find their love. They're turning over every stone and looking for the right one. And so you can't rest. You're at, not at ease. No matter how much you have, whatever other facilities, you need that. Everyone's looking for love. So you find your love, and then what happens? Is everything peaceful then? Everything becomes still? No, it has a movement of its own, you see. It's dynamic. So this is what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is like. We're not Advaitins. We're not looking for endless peace. We're after love, and it's disconcerting. Rupa Goswami says it like this, here, eva gati he says, like a serpent, love moves in a crooked way, with cause or without cause. Radharani and, and Krishna are separating and, and making union and separate and misery. For good reason she gets angry and for not good reason she might get angry at him. So it's causing that the love is moving like, I like you, I don't like you, I like you, I don't like you. That's what he means. But then, in a broader sense, it means that this uh, ideology, this ideal of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it's, it's a love ideology, in, in, in the full sense of the term. So, it's, it has a movement of its own. As much as it's static, is as much as it's dynamic. This is the beda bed of it. It's static means in relation to material life, which has a certain type of movement that's disconcerting. It's never comforting. You never get a square meal. It's only appetizers. Appetizers. The meal is coming. The meal is coming. And you just get what? What happens if you just eat appetizers? You get indigestion only. That's all. So it's disconcerting. So the movement, the dynamism, if you will, of a material life, for that matter, it's only an apparent dynamism. It's really, uh, what did Prahlad say? No, he probably said that too, but punapunas charvita charvananam. It's already been chewed by somebody else. <laughs> you know, you bought their their dream house. And it was their dream house, and now it's their nightmare. Your dream house is their nightmare, and your nightmare will be somebody else's dream house. <laughs> so somebody chewed it, spit it out, and now you're going to eat it, and you'll spit it out, and and chew it again for a while. Like, it's not a good example, but when we were kids, then the kids would take gum and stick it underneath the wooden desk in the school that lost its taste and you know, bored by the class and the instructor, then they'd try it again, chew it a little bit more and put it back there. So this is material life. Somebody's already chewed it and you're, it's, you're eating the remnants. So it's in a, there's an only an apparent dynamism, really, to material life. 
example is sometimes given, perhaps in Bhagavad Gita, uh, it said the prostitute only has one thing to offer her customer, but she dresses it in a different way all the time. But it's really the same thing. So, uh, as I say, there's only apparent dynamism. It's really quite uh, static. But it's, it's disconcerting, and you can't get your feet on the ground. So it's moving in that way. It's here today and, and gone tomorrow. So we want security, so spiritual life affords us some stability. We want to stand on the ground of our being rather than live on the, on the surface, which is, as I say, constantly in flux. We want to identify with ourselves, which who, who are the observing factor in the ever-changing material phenomenon. Everything's moving except for me. It's all moving around me. It's the logical explanation for transmigration or reincarnation. How are we here? We're here by desire. We're here by attachment. You want to be here. You're attached to things of this plane. You are in pursuit of enduring happiness, but out of ignorance, you're pursuing it in relation to things that don't endure, and you're developing attachments to them for want of experience of your own self and you know, an enduring unit of consciousness. And so the attachments that make up our very personality, we are our desires. That's what we are, a bundle of desires and attachments. I like to say, and some of you heard it before, forgive me for the repetition, but our my is our I. Our my informs our I. Our sense of I, of who we are, what I am, is defined by our sense of what we, what we own, which means what we're attached to, what are our desires, our likes and dislikes, all which is determined by sensual outreach to the world and the input that it sends to the mind that makes these determinations. I like this, I don't like that, this is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. And identity is formed. That's who we are, materially speaking. Our my is our I. So therefore you do away with the my, and a whole different sense of I comes. It's incredible. You'll think if I do away with the my, there'll be no I. That's true. There'll be no I as you think of it now, but that's a good thing, because that I is a whole problem. It's a big problem. It's a small thing, but it's a big problem. It's a small sense of self. It's a very, very narrow and small sense of self. If people are selfish, we think they're small-minded, don't we? He's small-minded, he's a small, small person. If people are magnanimous, we feel they're big. And those are the people that are remembered. Small people who are really small are remembered, too, for their infamy. That's true. But to be remembered in, in a positive way, as a big person, you know, for their magnanimity, they're known. It means that... The, you be actually become big by giving. Your life becomes meaningful by taking it to the extent that we take and we're selfish and self-centered. And, and so we, we become small. But the illusion is that we, we feel that we're big. We're big, big nothing, big zero. This contracts, the self contracts by taking and expands by giving. So you can be all you, that you can be, so to speak, by giving. That's what you are. You're a unit of giving capacity. So when you find the re proper repose for giving that allows you to give unlimitedly, and you give, as I said the other night, without 
expectation of gain, you're in a very spacious plane of experience. That's what we call Golok. You know, the physical plane is not very accommodating. If we give you an example, if we were to take, if I told you, I want you to take everything in this room and carry it outside in one trip, you'd say, well, this is impossible, physically, all the books and all the furniture. But now if I asked you, all right, then take it in your mind. And okay, you could sit here and you could think of everything. Your mind was good enough. It's possible anyway. Physically, it's not possible. But, but with your mind, it's possible. You could take everything with you. The, mind, the plane of mind is more spacious, more accommodating. When you close down the senses, that is tapa. What happens? You find more room. You find more space. It's, it's more accommodating. You be, your mind becomes peaceful. No matter how much you have, if your mind is not peaceful, then if you have nothing in the mind, is, you can find peace in the mind. So if mental plane is more spacious, intellectual plane is even more spacious, and the plane of the soul, so much more accommodating. Vaikuntha then, you know, it's a different planes of that pratyaksha, paroksha, aparoksha, adhoksaja, aprakrita. There are different planes of, of knowledge. What you can get with your senses, pratyaksha, paroksha, what you can get with the help of other people's senses, aparoksha, by going in an opposite way, rather than reaching out, but looking within, you can find the self. Adhoksaja means the God plane. Adhoksaja, Vaikuntha, and Aprakrita. That means Golok, Aprakrita. It looks like the ordinary world, but it's, it's not. If you bring the finite and the infinite close together, then out of necessity for that closeness, if that closeness is to take place, what is required? The infinite has to take on a finite experience, or appearance, I should say. You understand me? If the infinite and the finite is to come very close to the infinite, the infinite must take on a finite experience, otherwise the infinite cannot get close. You say, oh my God, you have to step back. That's Krishna, you see. He takes on a finite appearance. So there's a possibility of closeness between the finite and the infinite. But it's not finite. It looks finite, but it's not. It's aprakrita. And it's most accommodating. The whole of the Vaikuntha is inside there. Life is feeling. so That's what it's about, feeling. And affection. It's big by affection. Bigger than intellect. Accommodating in what way? By affection. You know, to be in a big empty room that may feel spacious. Especially if you were just in a really cluttered one. In the material life is just a so much baggage you've collected just like everywhere garbage you know in your house is built up to the ceiling so you get out and get in a big empty room ah it's a relief but when you go beyond that Vaikuntha some affection some love and Golok just the land of affection so this all growth of the self if you will and the growth is it means because Golok is giving it's all affectionate. Therefore, it's able to accommodate all things. It's the whole idea of that Brajlila. Things that are 
absolutely, in a, especially you know, historically in India in the times of Bhagwat and its recording and so forth, or the appearance of Virjindananda and Sri Krishna. Parakiya love is just like, there's no place for that. Now there's a big place for it, but, you know, that, in that setting, no place for it. But it's harmonized, but it's there in Golok. So love has the power to accommodate all things, to adjust them. Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasattaka used to say, religion means what? Proper adjustment. You have to tweak it a little bit. Krishna-centered. This is hard to grasp. It goes very far. You've seen those pictures of the cowards fishing. Everything adjusted. <laughs> you take the exploitation out of it. A world just like this, but with no exploitation. It's not like this at all, right? It's a completely different world. So that as we take that out, then you have capacity to give and to grow and you expand in this way. So the most the magnanimous people, they are the most well-known people. They are the big people. And the self-centered people, they are the small people. So this is actually the whole secret to life. <laughs> How to grow, progress. And Golok just represents that full potential of progress and growth for the soul that then goes on forever and ever. What is the wonder of Radha's love for Krishna? Krishna Daskabhi Goswami explains it. Among other things, two other things, he says, the glory of her love is that although it's unlimited, it's always expanding. So what is that? That means that it's dynamic, it's moving. Like the example I gave of love, you cannot rest until you find love. But when you find love, there's no rest either. But that is a ride that you don't want to get off. The material ride is like, you know, you're going off the cliff. You want to get off of that. So you make a jump towards spiritual life, towards where you can find some real stability. So you can stand on the ground of your, your being. But that's only the beginning of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So as we progress in it, we see, oh, there's a lot of gray here, and it's it's disconcerting, and, and and you have to apply it in every unique circumstance, every day, every every minute, and it's not all just like thought out for you. In material life is troublesome. You got to think how to maintain yourself. You have the mission impossible. You have to think how to maintain something that's that cannot be maintained. Your body, your, se- your sense of self, it can't be maintained, but you're struggling to do that. It's, so you want to stop that. It's troublesome. Have to think about it. All. So stop thinking. Okay, that's, that's, but now you have to start thinking and go to Vaishnavism in a whole other way. So that may be disconcerting also for some people. They want it all to be thought out for them and be black and white. In the beginning, it may be presented a little black and white to help us see the, the difference: what is material and what is spiritual. But when we, as we progress on the path, we find that we have to keep growing and growing, and and, uh, and respond to the reciprocation of Hari Nam Prabhu. Therefore, don't maintain material attachment. It said, Nam will come and express his agenda to move on. And it doesn't take a lot of a lot to understand what's next. 
Just a little sincerity. Bhakti is so simple. Be sincere. It's real clear. Namprabhu will show you. You have to go now in this direction. Then you have to go, and it's like, it looks like, it feels like, yeah, that would be good. But then if you look back, you see, but all the other facts seem to say, no. You understand? Name is saying, you know, you should go like this. You should leave that place, or you should go to that place. Krishna's over here now. Krishna said, I'm over here. Come. So you ran all the way over there, and you got there. What does he say? I'm over here now. You cannot say, wait a minute. You said you were over here. I went all this way over here. Now you're saying you're over there? No, you just go over there. <laughs> so this is, uh, it's a roller coaster ride. It's, 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 uh, it's a little disconcerting. And like I say, it, it looks like, the, materially speaking, the facts look like there could be so many problems. I feel, yeah, that sounds good. I should, I should join the mission. But then, you know, there's this and there's that. Maybe I'm not up for it. Or, you know, maybe... Who will agree with that? Only you. Well, the, those who are encouraging, come on. I don't know, I still have some contamination in my heart. And <laughs> that's why you should come in and fold. <laughs> Get good company. Hmm? You think, I still have a little lust. Maybe I cannot, you know... I sh- well, you think it will... You get rid of it first and then come? No, bhakti will come first. And then you have real power to get rid of that. Otherwise, not. Vikriditam vrajabhaduvir idam chabishnu this is the problem. This attachment, disease, lust, desire. How will it go away? Bhakti will come in your heart. It's very generous through a devotee. And then take it away. Take advantage of bhakti. And so people will think like that. Oh, I'm not qualified. I've got or the other reasons. This, that, my family, my job, and so many. All obligations. These are obligations to the small sense of self only. They, they may look big, and relatively speaking, they may be, comparatively. It's noble to maintain your family when they give you a good education and everything. But what is the highest education? And when that comes to your door, it makes itself available. So it takes courage to be a devotee. It takes courage. And when Harinam Prabhu comes before us and he, tell, he shows this way you should go, you can understand it. It doesn't take much. A little sincere, you pray, you know what to do. If you pray, you know what to do. But if you listen to your mind, then it will be, they will drown out the heart at that stage. The heart will be drowned out. You had a moment and you knew, you felt, I should go. A wave came of enthusiasm then you stop to reason about it, and you found a thousand eight reasons why. Well, it was this probably was just you, know, you forgot about it. That's not what the gopis did when they heard the flute. If they had stopped to think, was there any reasoning that would have come that prohibited them from going? From every angle, they would have been stopped. The scriptures say you shouldn't do this. Society says you shouldn't do it. What will become of your children when they grow up and find out that you ran off with a young boy? The milk will boil over. What will the husband say? What will the family say? So every reason in the, on earth not to go. But they went. They found their wealth there. They found their group there. They became famous throughout all the worlds. They became our, our ideal, our example. And it means you have to follow them in a practical way also. 
not really imitate gopis, but the, the teaching also comes as an example for the sadhaka on his or her level in the day-to-day life. So, if we hesitate, then lost opportunity, lost Harinam offended, maintained material attachment. When it became clear to you, this attachment I should let go of. But then you rationalized it away, it kept on. Harinam would be disappointed in us. Good opportunities don't come that often. There's a Bengali saying that something auspicious should be done immediately. We have to speak like this, you know, so you'll be intimidated to. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll never happen. You see, I don't mean today you should go and all let it become sannyasi. But you have to hear this. This kind of, you know, if Bhagavatam didn't put pressure on these things, everyone would be just no one would go anywhere. <laughs> so, but someone will come out of the woodwork of the whole affair, out of the well, and and set an example for us. There'll be a few examples. We can be encouraged and be attached to them, grow in their company by their generosity. And that's why we have to speak strongly like this. Yeah, and it's also it's unfortunate. Um, you know, amongst a group of devotees, sometimes everybody's everybody's moving according to their sukriti. And the problem is, some people riding in a Cadillac, some people riding in a Volkswagen. Those in the Cadillac, when they're stepping on the brake, and the one in the Volkswagen is stepping on the gas. So. In other words, according to our security, we have some capacity to engage and so forth. But everybody's not having the pedal to the, you know, to the metal or whatever it is, to the floor. So we've been around for some time. We have so much knowledge, some bandagan, so much. We've had a good association and so forth. And then some new person comes and they're just going like so fast. And, hmm, they don't have the same vehicle, the same security, but they're going fast. And you're going slow because you're not stepping on the gas, making progress. And sometimes you're surprised because you may be doing well and you may uh, try to you know, really address your issue, which is basically sometimes you wake up and you find out this person and I are not on the same page, but we're in the same clothes. I heard the Swami talk and I thought it was great, and he heard the Swami talk, and, or he couldn't even listen to the Swami. He had to get out of the room. And when I talked to him, say it was a great talk. He said, "I don't know about that. It was weird. It's different." <laughs> Probably didn't say that like that, you know, or something like that. It happens. And you go, "Well, am I wrong? Am I right? Or what, what's happening here?" You know, <laughs> you got to sort that out. And you realize, hmm, maybe I got to move on here. What's to be done? <laughs> it happened to me, so <laughs> speak from my experience. What's happening at that time is, is you're being asked to really make an assessment, to be introspective and assess. Don't wait for everybody else. If it feels good, do it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what Krishna consciousness is. If it feels good, do it. There's only, only one footnote to that. Know who you are to begin with. Know that you're what you are. You're not the body. Then understand that, and if it feels good, you do it. Yes? Oh, good. <laughs> I was talking to you. But, but. 
because there's also the other side, and, and you even talked about this the other day, which I don't know, about the way that enthusiasm has hit a person and they take some knots, so they do something something that's dramatic that they really don't have the adequate for, and then they, they fall away because there are practicalities, there are things that we have to consider, not just that feeling that comes as a, as a way. Yeah, there's Daksha and there's Narada. Both are there in the Bhagavatam. <laughs> there's Daksha's opinion and there's Narada's opinion. Good guidance, you know, is important. You follow the enthusiasm, someone else may check you, you know, he may know. The important thing here in all of this is to be under the guidance of a Vaishnava. That's, that's what's important. If you tie to that, then you'll be. He'll make sure that you move progressively. If it's not in a straight line, you're in a round, round one, with coming around like that. Yeah, it's a detour. There are obstacles. There are practical concerns. That there is our, our enthusiasm, and and enthusiasm has to be tied to, to understanding. And I made this point to you the other day. All enthusiasm is not good. The enthusiasm that doesn't afford us a proper understanding of the distance to go, that is troublesome and impediment. So the, the trick is to be enthusiastic while full knowing the distance to go is, is not short, it's a long haul. When we're enthusiastic and we're thinking we're almost there, then it becomes a problem. What is it called? Vishwanath gives a name. Utsamai. Utsamai means he's filled with enthusiasm. She's filled with enthusiasm. But, you know, we used to call it, many, many years ago in Iskon, we used to call it the pure devotee disease. (laughs) He thought, you know, I'm a pure devotee, practically. I'm just, you know, this is a very, very bad uh, tendency to project ourselves mentally to be further along than we are. We are not far along. You can be sure. Be sure of it. Don't be discouraged by it. Mm-hmm. Know what you're, what it is, what path you're on. Then, if you just have any, any beginning contact with that, your hair should be standing on end. So enthusiasm should come from that. What is that? What I'm involved in? What a great story. I mean, I'm, this is like, you know, I've got a chance. I've been accepted to play a role in an Academy Award-winning, the best movie of all time, the drama of Krishna Leela. If I can have this tiniest role in there, it's like if, if you're an extra in an Academy Award-winning movie, then you want to take people to the movie and say, you know, I'm in that movie, too. There, there's the back of my head. Is that, <laughs> it's went right there. That's <laughs> me. I'm in the movie. So it's like that. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, and sometime from a distance I saw her moving. He's talking about his mistress. Sometime from a It's a big thing. So to be enthusiastic based on understanding of what I'm involved in. And then I know how, with good guidance, to set limits also so that I'm not... I may progress in a natural and healthy way. 
when enthusiasm is false, it's not based on an understanding of where I'm at in the whole thing, then it can become problematic. And you know, in a big mission sometimes, that's, you know, everybody wants to be part of a big mission because they feel there's like strength in numbers. There are disadvantages to big missions too. That's very clearly pointed out. Jiva Goswami says, you may have a Mahabhagavad Guru who has no time to, to talk to you. Then what? Then you have to get a Siksha Guru to help you, to give you practical advice and so forth. So, I mean, sometimes Prabhupada, what could he do? The guy was enthusiastic. He encouraged him. and It was a big mission. In a smaller mission, you can fine-tune it a little bit more. And, and guess what Prabhupada wanted? Just, he was a big recruiter. So then afterwards, he'd have disciples which would be qualified to lead others, and they could... You know, these, these kind of missions, they should go in, in, in different uh, ways at different times. So there's an expansive phase. Every expansive phase in any mission should be followed by some contraction. I don't mean getting smaller, but that a contraction that causes it to get bigger. You follow me? So you expand out in, in numbers, and then you contract and grow. In, 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 yeah. You expand quantitatively, and then you contract and expand qualitatively. And then again, you expand quantitatively, and, but just always quantitative. And this is this measure and of progress. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Prabhupada also wanted his mission to attract intelligent people, not just bodies. And, and people that want a movement that will think for them, do all the thinking for them. And you don't have to ask any questions. That's another thing. But So anyway, you have enthusiasm, wave of enthusiasm, but based on proper understanding. And there's a good guidance that you might you know, take advice as far as possible. But the false enthusiasm doesn't have the whole picture in mind. So it's false enthusiasm. He or she's filled with enthusiasm, but they don't really know where they are on the map. Yes? Just wondering, in practical terms, um, so much of my experience in Krishna consciousness has been about falling short and, and how to stay connected with Krishna. I'm thinking of that verse where you know, everything that you do, everything that you you know, offer unto me, and I, it's, it's like easy to understand when you're doing all the right things, how to be devotional, but how to have some kind of um, reconciliation and integration where, where everything that you're doing is an offering, even though you're, you're falling short. you know what I mean? Oh, no. uh, not real clearly, um, but let me say this. There's really no question of falling short. That's the big picture. There is no falling short. Pichad sudaracharo, pujate mamanonibak, sadhuriva samantavya samyagvyavasito hisa. But there may be a kind of preaching that really leads one to believe like that. And that may create some kind of guilt or something like that. Preaching should be in, uh, with greater emphasis on, on the other side. The fact that you're a devotee, you have some love for Krishna, you're 
you are interested in this. That 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 means that your position is, is great, it's extraordinary. What's the if there's a spot on the moon, I mean, this example is given. Does anybody look at the full moon and go, Oh, there's a spot on it? No, they go, Oh, it's so nice, the full moon. This is the proper way to preach. This is how Prabhupada preached. I don't know how sometimes it got distorted, but this, he was always encouraging. And the shortcomings were just like, I mean, they're there, they're short, but they're insignificant. If you encourage the devotee in such a way as to elicit some voluntary participation and feel Krishna's affection, then that's all that they need to overcome the shortcomings. If you emphasize only the shortcomings, then then they feel there's no hope for them. They become discouraged. They end up going away. They end up feeling guilty. They don't want to associate with devotees. So a different type of environment has to be created. Uh, affectionate, encouraging, generous dealings and so forth. You know, it's not that you see this one is having difficulty and then, you know, they, they become suspect or criticized and they get driven away by that. Association with devotees should be the opposite. And anything will then we won't recognize their faults. They'll just grow. No, that's how they'll go away. <laughs> that's how Krishna takes your faults away. How? Because he's so affectionate to you that you just you know you become embarrassed by it. He's so kind, regardless. He's still with me. He's still encouraging me. He won't let go of me. My God, you know I've got a friend here, somebody that loves me. And then on this basis, these other things are retired. Things that would be impossible to retire otherwise. Bhagavatam, what does Krishna say? In the 11th canon, he says, My devotees, sometimes they have material desires, things happen. It's not important. That's what he says. Just by the bhakti, if they keep engaged, therefore you never give up chanting, no matter how bad you feel, how much of a hypocrite you may feel. Don't give up. You become rectified. You may feel... Some remorse. Well, I wish this hadn't happened. I did. I have to deal with it now. And that corrects you. So don't think, well, if I don't point out the faults all the time, then what kind of movement will we have? Just some Sahaja movement or something? No, it'll be, they'll go away. Emphasize faults, and that's what you'll get is faults. And you'll find so many faults with so many people. Even those who don't have faults, you'll start finding faults with. And something that's faultless, like somebody was chanting in kirtan for Prabhupada, and Prabhupada was so pleased with it, and it's recorded. He liked it so much. Like that Jai Satchinandan, and we used to sing for Prabhupada in Vrindavan when Prabhupada was. I was there in September, month of September, until he told me to go back to the West, which is was about a month and a half before he left. And we would take him upstairs in the evening, and then he had asked Jai Satchinandan, you probably don't know him, but to, to, to sing, and he would sing very beautifully and probably liked it very much, and with some heart and feeling. So there would be tape recordings of that and so forth. Well, he sang very beautifully that song with Prabhupada's on the Jaladutta, a prayer to my. Lord Krishna. Very beautiful. That was first sung to Prabhupada in, in Los Angeles. They rendered in music and liked it very much. Prabhupada's 
sentiment for Krishna is coming out in that in that song, his his bhava. And so then he, you know, something happens and Prabhupada leaves and that fellow does something wrong, he does a bad thing and now he can't play that tape anymore. <laughs> it's like that, it's, it's bad tape. And, you know, right to Prairie Marsh out of the history of book distribution, you know, he's not here anymore. Nothing <laughs> like that, you know. All that service, I mean, so this, this gets that bad sometimes. That's unfortunate. That's discouraging. Yeah, but that will only encourage problems, because that's the focus to avoid problems. The focus is not to avoid problems. The focus is to is to embrace Krishna. And it's my personal experience is what Prabhupada was like. That's why everybody loved him, because <laughs> he loved everybody, and you could see uh, it's just a small thing. This defect, it's just a small thing. It'll go away. Krishna consciousness is so big, and you're connected to that. With with me, he would he would think so. That stay connected. You love me, I love you. This will go away. Not that he didn't, you know, make strong points in his books and you know about these things as well. He did. He spoke strongly, but in his dealing, he was very soft and affectionate, and forgiving, and and. I mean, I remember once we were on a nineteen. Seventy-six, or maybe it was. We were on a roof in Mayapur, so I'd probably walk around on the roof of the. I don't know what it's like now, because I've been there in so many years. But there was one big, one main building, and two long buildings. We used to call them the long buildings, and there was one main building that had one, maybe two, maybe four stories, and the deities were in the bottom, and then Prabhupada was on, I think, the second floor. Anyway. He would go up on top of the building and walk around on him, you know, like he would do his morning walk, sometimes up there, sometimes in the fields. When we were up there walking and Vishnu Janmar said to him, that Prabhupada, you've written that if a sannyasi falls down, then he should commit suicide. Or Bhakti Vinod has said something like that in regard to the Leela of Chota Haridas in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And so Bhakti Vinod Thakur said then, Maybe in a commentary that he should commit suicide. And Prabhupada said, yes. Kept walking halfway around, and then he stops it. But then all of you will be finished. So. And he laughed. You know. I don't know if it was everybody, but it wasn't me, but he, he had a. And he wrote that in his book, he published that in the book, and how he dealt practically. You know, he would show a stern hand, but if he saw you couldn't take it, then he would be affectionate. and and then you'd be you'd be embarrassed and encouraged. And so very generous in dealings. You know, it's Mahabhadanaya Vatara Mahabhavosa. We should be generous with one another. That generosity won't foster you know, if it's done properly, it won't foster some kind of like loose program or something like that. The fact of the matter is anyway, it is loose. That's the fact. <laughs> you just hide from it and pretend that it's not there because supposed to be like this. <laughs> so it's not going away by that kind of policy. By the only thing lacking is Krishna consciousness. So Krishna's affection is coming, we'd be charmed, and all these other interests, habits. You know, somebody just loves you so much, how can you avoid them? And if you, and you get their company, then it becomes apparent again. You know, if you're distance separated for some time, and we would go and be with Prabhupada. Oh, goodness.
How can I do anything else but try to render some service to him, try to improve my situation, be so generous? So, what else? Interesting thoughts and topics. Yes? So you're talking about the blossoming. Sometimes we're blossoming, and then sometimes we feel like we're regressing. But, um, and because some, like, kind of lethargy, you know, no enthusiasm. So, um, but then it sounds like you're saying, but we're still progressing, even if we're not feeling that. Like, we're not really going backwards, not really regressing, but kind of standing still. And then we'll take off again. Yeah, it's like if you want to go to, you know, Kailas or Jamunotri. Gango tree, the source of the Ganges, or the Jamuna, you have to go very high in the Himalayan mountains. So how will you get there? You have to go like this, through the foothills. You follow? That's how we go. So if you're going up, foothill, and then you're going down. Even when you're going down, you're still going up. You understand? Because the foothills go like this, all the way to the top. So it's something like that. And someone who has a, a broader, uh, better vantage point than yourself to see, then your guru, then he'll be, he's not going to be so concerned. Like your god brother who says, Yeah, this is a problem. He says, Yeah, a problem, kind of, but you know, they can learn from that also. So, so progress moves like that also. Sometimes if you're running through the forest, then you may come to like a creek you have to jump across so then you have to stop whoop and then you have to move back and then run faster and make it, make a jump so these setbacks of devotees they're really minor things this is how we should understand bhakti so that there's no setback really that's the broader perspective as long as the environment is maintained, it's encouraging for hearing and chanting, regardless of your condition. Isn't that what you do to ordinary people? Just chant Hare Krishna. It doesn't matter. Prabhupada, remember once he said, that in Los Angeles, he was giving a class, this is a famous class, he said, so then, you know, if you meet a person and he is a wino, I don't know if he used that term, but like, just drinking wine, then, then you tell him, just say, Raso hamapsukuntaya, Krishna is the taste in the wine, and drink away. Gradually you'll become Krishna conscious. Wasn't that the way the problem was? So, if you're going to be like that, following his example with ordinary people, then you should be like that with devotees. It's just on another level. The same principle is involved. Create an environment that encourages people, regardless of their condition, participate in Krishna consciousness on a level that they're capable of participating on. I mean, you don't stop from giving somebody a book because you found out they just, you know, bought a hamburger or something like that. There's all the more reason to give them the book. So, if someone's having difficulty, all the more reason to, g to give yourself to them, to encourage them. This idea, you know, of getting rid of people to preserve the purity, this is a backwards kind of idea. Sometimes we have to distance ourselves from some devotees, that's true. The ones who think opposite of this, we have to distance ourselves so that we can have some regard for them. 
because if you get far enough away from anybody, you can appreciate something about them. So, how to respect all devotees? Yeah. Find an appropriate distance <laughs> from everybody. <laughs> it might be a big distance, but what else? Um, why? Well, it seems so. Uh, one of the one of course we need to get because being shy is just. No, we want to become Vishayis. <laughs> Look at it like that. We want to become Vishayis. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it seems like such a impossible situation to be in the body because you, because you can't stop your senses. And if you, know, if you don't eat or sleep, etc., then then you can't really uh, think about because you can't function, you know, basically. It's, like it's impractical. Right. So, and, and sometimes it appears that your bodily demands are, are it appears that the bodily, bodily demands, they are, are the obstacle in, to me, you know, reaching a higher level of reality. They're keeping me bound to you know, bound to like a low level of reality. So how am I, how to bridge the gap um, between, you know, reality and illusion when you're, when you're bound by, by the bodily necessity? Well, you should, rather than thinking of reality in terms of what it's not, it's better to think of reality in terms of what it is. You're thinking of reality in terms of not having uh, to succumb to the demands of the body and the, and the mind in an inordinate way. So you're preoccupied with that. It's more like you'd think you were on the Gyanmarg or something like that, where you've got to eat less and sleep less, and, 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 and the better you become at that, the better you become at bhakti. It's not a fact that the less you eat and the less you sleep, the more you'll have bhakti. You could sleep all day, or you could eat mountains of prasadam up to the neck as Mahaprabhu's devotees and be more spiritual and better situated spiritually than, than the jnanis who can you know, live in a, stand in the river up to their neck in cold water in the, in the winter or sit by the fire in the heat of the sun in the summer at, at noon. So you might want to try to change your fixation and orientation. I, I get this kind of thing a lot where this is really this emphasis on what Krishna consciousness is, is not and so much to the point that it is equated with practically the whole of Krishna consciousness. And that's a whole difficult affair to control the senses and the mind and so forth, right? I mean, this yoga is a very sophisticated system for doing that. It's very well thought out, and it's not easy. It's not just you know the popular um, idea of yoga. It's, it's it's a difficult task. So, to answer that, solve that problem, this very sophisticated system of yoga has come, or or gyan, introspection through knowledge and so forth. It's not easy. Bhakti is very is very different. You know, it's very generous and very positive. It's all positive. And the capacity to overcome that problem through bhakti makes yoga look simplistic or, or very uh, not user-friendly. 
or not user-friendly at all. Bhakti is very user-friendly, so you've got to change your, your thinking about it a little bit and think how to increase your love for Krishna. Then you have no limitations for doing that. <laughs> what are the limitations for increasing your love for Krishna? You, you really don't have limitations. It's a hard affair. We're talking directly to the soul here. In Gyanmarg, Yogamarg, you're not talking. It's not talking directly to the soul. Bhakti is talking directly to the soul and its potential. Regardless of your material conditioning, perceivable or unperceivable, in relation to bhakti, you're making progress. By doing bhakti, so much karma. You want to talk about distractions from the body and mind. It's all karma, right? All karma that's aprarabdha, not manifest, is, is being destroyed by bhakti. It's invisible to you. But what you would have had to accrue and, and go through, that's the first thing that's removed. You do have your prarabdha for a while. At a certain point, Krishna takes over your body. Prarabdha's finished. The jnani would die and get, get mukti if he had a little bit of bhakti. But for the devotee, Parabdha stops and Krishna takes over the body, daivim prakriti mashrita, so that he can cultivate bhava and prema. So there's no impediment to developing love for Krishna. I mean, look at how user-friendly the whole thing is. You just hear, you just take prasad. So the focus should be like that on, on bhakti. Hmm? And in your stage, you, you know, you're going to use your senses for that. So, I mean, see how user-friendly it is. You can eat, you can... You know, here you can shop, you can, you know, whatever it is. So it's very user-friendly. It comes to you on the platform. You're, there's no impediment. But Sanatana Goswami says that Nam is so generous. He raises the question, what if somebody can't, what if somebody is dumb, can't speak? He says then, no problem. With your other senses, you can take advantage of it. You can read the name. It's like reading it on your shirt. Chiradhi. So, what if you can't see? He says, then you can just touch it. You can feel it. Like braille. Braille japa. That's what he says. You can just feel it like that. He gives so many examples. You can just, you can just touch it, rub up against it. What was his idea, his sense of Nam and how Krishna is present there? So it's very user-friendly. In fact, Bhakti at the onset, Rupa Goswami tells us that you can't be too detached, and you can't be too disposed towards enjoyment. Somewhere in the middle. So you kind of got this kind of gyan type of like orientation, and you know, and 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 it's like got to do away with my body. But Mahaprabhu tells Sanatan, you can't do away with your body. I have things I want to do through your body. Sanatanprabhu wanted to throw himself under the wrath cart. Afraid that Mahaprabhu might embrace him. He embraced him in more. He said, I have many things I want to do through you. Why the body is bad? It's Sasadaka Deha. Dikshakali. At the time of Diksha, Mahaprabhu told Sanatana, you get a Sadaka Deha. You have the body of a Buddha Jeev. It's just a ball of karma. Now it's different. You've got a Sadaka Deha. And as much as you apply yourself in sadhana, it actually becomes Chinmai. Ananda Chinmai. Uh, Chidananda. It means, Mahaprabhu told him, the body, the sadhakadeya becomes chirananda. It's inconceivable. But what does it mean? It means it's now being driven 
by the material energy. But as you progress, gradually it becomes influenced by Chidananda, means Samvit Vadini, this is Bhakti. And at Prem it becomes apparent. The ray of the sun of Prem, that is Baba, becomes apparent. Sudasatva Visheshatma, Prema Suryangsu Samyavak. But from the very beginning something is coming. Therefore, he says, at the time of, time of initiation, as you do Krishna Samarpan, that's what it means, you surrender yourself proportionately, so you're growing a, sp- a spiritual body. This is such a positive thing. You talk about it in such a negative way. As much as you've applied yourself in Krishna, and you can't, Atashi Krishna Namadi, Nabhavad Grayamindre, Sevan Mukhehiji Bhado, Swayamidvasparatyata. Yeah, you can't serve Krishna with a material body. That's why you've got a spiritual one. Both Sadakadeha and Siddhadeha. And as you apply your sadhakadeya, siddhadeya awakens, manifests. So, where's the problem? You have to go to sleep, you have to eat, you have to... Even mating is accommodated. So I don't think you should look at it like that. It's very positive. Does that help? Yes. You're not in such a difficult situation. (laughs) It's not such a dilemma. What is required to develop love for Krishna? It's very easy, it's very simple. In other words, exercise your heart. Sing Hare Krishna, love Krishna. That's what what they do in Golok. It's sadhana and it's sadhya, both. This chanting. Sing and be happy. And progress is not always visible. Guru will want to see that certain things are in place, and he's satisfied. Progress will come, naturally. You're just saying, you know, your day, there's supposed to be this big building of bhakti that I'm, but I don't see anything. And he said, yeah, well, first we've got to dig down the ground, make a foundation, put in certain stones, cornerstones. He's done that, he's seen there in place, you know, so it's going to go up. Until you start to see something, Above ground, you may not think you're going anywhere. Until you, until you get to the, you got to get to the top of the mountain, uh, like Mishta. Then you can see the valley on the other side, and quickly you'll go down into the valley of love. So then you look to others ahead of you, their example. What else? Why do the Goswamis uh, undergo so many austerities in their life? Like Raghunath has to come When we see their example, we see that we are doing too much. There's a couple of ways to look at that. One way is that the Goswamis were establishing a Sampradaya, and it was controversial. It's controversial within Vaishnavism because it makes the point that Krishna is the source of Narayan and emphasis on the Shakti, on Radha. These are controversial theological points central to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And then then Bhakti in general, especially in, in where they were, some question about that in a, in a society that's run by Smartas and Advaitins and, and the, the, the premises there, the, what most, most people buy into, that you've got to take birth in the Brahmin family, then take sannyas, then you can get Mukti, and Bhakti is for Mukti, and and uh, and get to follow all these rules, do everything, to breathe, and 
to sleep and look this way and that way and chant this and that, all the uh, Dharma Shastra and so forth. And, uh, so, uh, leading to Gyan. And, uh, so they were, you know, it's a real response to that, Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It's, it's a, we don't buy that. You're closer to God than this Gyan Marg and makes out and so forth. But given the climate, they had to preach in a certain way. So, therefore, we have Hari Bhakti Vilas, for example. It's got all these rules and regulations in there. So many of them. So that you can look like to the people who believe without doing all these rules and mudras and this and that, you're not, you're not religious. You can look religious. Otherwise, it's going to be too foreign to them. This bhakti is really different. In Karma Marg, the emphasis is all on rules. All on rules. And following exactly. If you follow it just a little bit wrong, chant the mantra with just a long emphasis, you could get the opposite result. This is the whole emphasis of Karma Marg. The purpose of that is what? So that you develop faith in the scriptures. You do it perfectly and you get the result. Wow, it works. Do it perfectly so you start paying attention. You develop faith in Shastra. And, shast- and Shraddha means Shastriya Shraddha. This is faith. You understand? Faith that's grounded in Shastra, not just some sentiment. That's why I probably say, used to say it's a science. That's why you have to know the Siddhanta. Otherwise, your faith may just be a disturbance in the name of bhakti. Shruti Paranadi. Inordinate sentiment, sentiment that's not wedded to Siddhanta, that's a disturbance, even though it looks like bhakti. You know, like you say, Jai Prabhupada, all glories to Prabhupada, we hate everybody else. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's an, a crude example of it, and putting it in a crude way, forgive me for that. But So, faith in Shastra, so this karma mark, this is the beginning. Before Brahma Jignashu comes Dharma Jignashu. Inquiry about Dharma. This is the Purva Mimamsa. Vedanta's Uttar Mimamsa. Atato Brahma Jignashu. Of course, you can get there by Sadhusanga without having to inquire about Dharma. But the standard procedure is inquire sufficiently about Dharma, develop faith in Shastra, become religiously stout and so forth, and then you develop interest in Brahman. In other words, you develop interest in tempering and coloring your whole human life with the sh- religious shades, bringing all human action in touch with God. You don't have a baby without thinking about God. You don't name the baby without thinking of God. You don't eat without thinking of God. You know? It's a r- ritual for all of it, and a mantra, and, and so forth. So from living a religious life, where your whole human life is colored with consideration of God, to living a spiritual life, Brahma Jignashu, and I'm not a human, I'm not this body, that kind of idea. And then we go Rasa Jignashu, into that. What is Brahman? Go deeply. Brahman is the source of the world. Atato Brahma Jignasu Janmadhyasyataha. Brahman is the source of the world. So what's ever in the world, which is the effect, must be in the cause. And what makes the world go round? Rasa. Love. <laughs> it must be in Brahman. Brahman must ultimately be Rasa. Rasovaisa. So the inquiry goes up. And as you move from the beginning inquiry to the end, what do you find? In the beginning, it's all rule-oriented. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you do the rule wrong, you don't get the result. And in the end, in bhakti, <laughs> if you do it all wrong, baba grahi janardana, but your heart is in the right place. Krishna's eating the banana peels offered by Vidura's wife, and she's throwing away the bananas. 
she did the procedure all wrong. So it's a very, you know, it's difficult to like understand bhakti. And it's rag bhakti. I mean, it's very, very difficult to understand this. So that's what they're presenting, a ragmarg sampradaya. And so in a climate that's just, it's foreign to, which is ostensibly a religious and a spiritual climate. And so they write Hari Bhakti Vilas, and they give all these rules for the Vaishnava. So it looks to people like, yeah, that's okay. You present it on their, their terms. You follow me? That's why it's successively in Parampara, you can find aspects of Hari Bhakti Vilas are de-emphasized by Acharyas. Then, same thing with regard to the renunciation, which is your question. So, who are the spiritual people, these Mahabhadis? And what is the evidence? By what? Oh, they, they don't eat, they, they walk naked, they only dress in ashes. Oh, they must be spiritual. They must be spiritual. He lies on a bed of nails. He stands on one foot. There used to be this guy on the parikram around Vrindavan. He stood on one foot until they would build him a temple. Some, some foolish people. That's what he did. Long beard and dreadlocks and he, he still stood on one foot. He had a little swing that he leaned on, but it was pretty austere. He stood on one foot and foolish, foolish people came in money. I watched year after year his temples going up. Always oh, just stand on one foot and smoking ganja and so he could just like forget about the pain of his foot. And <laughs> that's what they do. And then he's got a whole sampradaya of one foot, you know, people. And now there's, he's got students and they stand on one foot. That's how they make their living. You know, and so this foolish people think, oh yeah, this is spiritual, spiritual. Hmm? What is bhakti? Vaishnavera kriyamudra vignena bujai. Very difficult. Gradhar Pandit saw that Mukunda said, come, a great Vaishnava has come to Navadvip today. I want you to meet him because I know you're a Vaishnava from your very birth. They went. Who was coming? Pundarik Vidyanidhi. He's carried on a palanquin, dressed like a king, smoking a hookah. And Gadadhar said, Vaishnava? And Mukunda said, oh, he could understand. He's making some offense. So he, he quoted a verse from Bhagavat. He, he said, uh, Oh, Bakiyam, Stanakalakutam. It's, it's Vatsavya Rasa. Actually, Vidura speaking. How, how wonderful is Who in the right mind would take shelter of anyone else besides Krishna? Putana came to him like a mother to give her breast to poison him. And he sucked her breast and gave her Vatsavya Bhakti. And Pundarik Vidyanidhi, who's in Vatsavya Bhakti, He's the father of Radharani. He fell off the palanquin and went into what looked like an epileptic fit. And Garada wasn't that stupid. He could understand. This is Bhav. Oh, I made a mistake. He went back to Mahaprabhu. What should I do? He asked Mahaprabhu's permission to take Diksha. This is how you resolve those kind of offenses. <laughs> Not to use that one, sorry. We apologize to him. <laughs> take Diksha from him. Hmm? or Siksha from him, become his disciple. So he did. So, point is, if all the Vaishnavas just acted like that, if they wore their bhava on their sleeve, you know, like they say, wear your heart on your sleeve, who would ever understand Gaudiya Vaishnavism? It's just too bizarre. It's just, 
what you think is spiritual, the stereotyped conception. Look at Vrindavan. That's not what it is. They're full enjoyment of the senses. That's what it is. Full enjoyment of without any selfish motive. It's reversing out the whole thing. It looks the same, but it's entirely different. So it's really difficult to ascertain what it is. So they had to give a face to that that people would identify with. So they showed more austerity and renunciation, those young girls. That's who they are. They're uneducated girls in the village. Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami. And they come here. You see, you're probably so educated. Where'd they get the education? It's underneath. But in Goloka, it's not necessary to show around. It gets in the way. They come here where there's a need for knowledge, and they have so much knowledge. And with knowledge, with gyan comes vairagya. So they could show a standard of vairagya, and then they make these uh, mayavadis tremble. Huh. Such austerity. This is one reason they did like this. Once Pujapada Sri said, they have come, these six Goswamis, and, uh, and, and, and not all, you look at the other associates of Mahaprabhu, they're not like that. <laughs> Ramananda Roy is not like that. So many others, they're not like The Goswamis, they're establishing the Sampradaya, institutionalizing on a certain level by setting a standard of behavior and writing about it so that the lake, the waterfall of the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu, they turn it into a lake so you could approach it and drink from it bathe in it, get something from it. So this is why they're doing like that. Pujapachi Damarsh once said they, they took, they made a garland, like if you want to make a garland out of gems, of stones. The hard thing is to drill a hole in each of those stones. So they established a standard like this. They That's what they do. And they were drilling holes in the stones. And what's left for us to do? We just put the thread through it. So that kind of standard, that they have a purpose for that. That's one thing, one explanation. Other side is Sankhya, what is it? Not Sankhya Purvagana TV. They got so lost in what they were really doing, hearing, chanting, they forgot. Nidra Harabi Harakadi Vijito, Sankhya Purvagana TV. And this is what I'm saying. You get absorbed in the hearing, the chanting about Krishna, and you forget. You can forget about eating and sleeping. That's why you have disciples. They say, Marsh, you take some prasad. Please, some water. Oh, is it time for water? Okay, we take some water. <laughs> Something like that. So, anyway, we've talked for some time. Thank you for your questions. And uh, hope... See you again soon.